Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is grey. I ache in the places where I used to play And I'm crazy for love But I'm not coming on I'm just paying my rent every day In the Tower of Song Here we are, back on Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR Streaming live on 3cr.org.au this program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Empress Dale Bridge, you are back. Hi. Where have you been? Oh, it's been it's been a, a roller coaster of a couple of weeks. Just yeah. one thing after another, you know. I put up with Andy, you know. Oh, he's lovely. Exactly, Thank you so much. exactly. I want someone with a bit of attitude in here. You know, Andy's so polite and pleasant. No, he's, Sickening. He's awesome. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your help, Andy. Yeah, he tells me, he tells me you ring him up and say, I'm indisposed. I'm, you know, having a meeting with a CEO and, you know, can you please. <laughs> Come and do the panelling. Yeah, right. Well, thank you for coming in, Dale. It's a oh, pleasure no, having you here. Oh, it's good to be back. Now, we've actually got a guest, which is unusual in this program, a live <laughs> guest, yeah. Mr. And I've been told not to call him David, so I'm not going to call him David. Mr. Dave Sweeney. How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm very well. Very well. <laughs> Why have you got those things on your ears? So Just think of it that yeah, they hear the cheering and that sense of professionalism. Profe- oh, yeah. <laughs> You're in the wrong studio. <laughs> professionalism is the other studio, okay? The one across the corridor. Now, look, this is a very easy interview. No, you, you don't play a musical instrument, do you? Unfortunately, I don't. You don't sing? No, only like badly late at night. <laughs> yeah, but but what is it? That means I don't get a break. No, you don't get a break. I got to speak to you for we fifty-seven could, minutes. You possibly do. You could maybe give Leonard another rent. Right? No, 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 no. This, this, oh, look, I've always in, I've always respected the Taliban and Cromwell. <laughs> always respected them. Destroy music, you know, it's a horrible thing. You remember Cromwell? It's quite interesting. This day. I don't know if you know this that. Uh, the end came from Cromwell when the Apprentice Boys started rioting because they couldn't have their Christmas songs. There you go. Yeah, it's disgusting. Mm. Those dairy walls, they've yeah, got a lot of history. Yeah. Now, Dave, just to... We've got two questions. One takes <clears throat> five seconds, the other one takes 56 minutes. Just to orientate listeners, what year were you born? 1962, Joe. Oh, you're just the youngster. 1962. Cuban 62. Missile Crisis and me, so a hard year for the folks. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. 62, yeah. And what's the first thing you remember on planet Earth? That is tough. You know, I'm not a, um, I'm not a big one for absolutes, and memory mm. is a bit of a fickle beast. Mm. Um, I'm always really poor at things like, you know, favourite meal, favourite movie in the Sunday mm, quiz. Mm, mm. We won't um, ask you any of them. So, so maybe, yeah. maybe like, it's, I wouldn't say it's a first, but one that's early and strong is hay. Hay. Being surrounded by hay, mm-hmm. breathing really carefully so as not to sneeze, mm-hmm. being prickled by hay, mm-hmm. and hiding, playing a game of um, chasey hide-and-seek in a, mm-hmm. in a farm hay shed. 
Right. Is this mm. brothers and sisters? Brothers or? and sisters, cousins and crew. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters you've got? One sister, three right. brothers. Are they still with us? They are. Fortunately, oh. they're all still with us. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh, where were you born? I was born actually in hospital in Dandy, Dandenong. Yep, yep. Dandy and grew, yep. grew up in um, a farm in, seems strange to say now when you look at the, yeah. the place now, but a farm in Narry Warren. Yeah, yeah. And my father... And he had two brothers, and they had adjoining properties in Narry Warren. And so there was a, a crew of kids that ran like a bit of a clan. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you look at those times now, and it feels like some sort of um, Mark Twain story when you look there now. There's a, a freeway, Victoria's biggest Toyota dealer, the fussy furniture fella, the yeah, creeks yeah, concreted, all, all yeah, that sort of stuff. It's just mm. been gone, been airbrushed out of existence but it happened it was good and it was a good place mm. to grow up and a good way to grow up mm. so what were they dairy farmers or one was a dairy farmer right two were um reluctant uh beef farmers buy them skinny sell them fat, fat. yeah yeah the, the old story they're still doing that at devon meadows these days which isn't far from narry warren mm. so hopefully uh, your father made a killing on the farm Oh, not really, but he, he made what? enough to he made enough to grow up five kids, and yeah. we were never hungry. We were no, never no. I'm cold. just saying. I'm just saying when the developers when the developers did. came, when yeah. AB Jennings came through, because yeah. yeah. that's what it was. Like yeah. it was a you know small farm that was taken up by big houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't. It was like um, he didn't make the he didn't make the killing, but at the same time, um, you know, we never did it hard. Yeah, right. Mm. So he said this hay story. So you can still smell it. Oh yeah, I can. Yeah, I and I can still see. I can still see those sort of dust modes. Mm. And I, you know that when you catch a bit of dust in the in a beam of sun, and like today is a classic one for it. I still sort of can picture that time. Yeah. yeah. And um, tell us about your mum. She's still alive? Or? No, she's not. She's gone. Um, she's a wonderful woman. Um, strong and and beautiful. Very kind. Very loving. Um, she was uh, very early in her life as a, as a young woman. She had five kids and she had um, from quite early, from probably about 40, um, profound uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Right. Very painful, um, very disfiguring and um, like, um, you know, deformed limbs and couldn't walk. Um, and um, so she had within that um, an enormous um, and uh, very beautiful spirit and um, she was calm she was very loving and attentive to the the kids and the crew and um yeah so she was um a a very important anchor point for all our family Mm -hmm. and we uh progressively nursed her at home as well so fitting um a home around um that sort of um caring responsibility but doing that also very Willingly, it was not like a chore, like it was hard. So, so, so what did you kids, how old were you when you were looking after your mum and what did you actually do? Oh, well, I, was, I would have been, um, she went down in a screaming heap, had a bad fall and was hospitalised for quite a long time when, on my 10th birthday. Right. So from quite early... Um, and what we did was all sorts of things. Like we did the, you know, we had our particular task. My sister Jane is um, a wonderful and strong woman and she did heaps. She did lots of cooking and lots of stuff around the house. We all had our tasks. Like, you know, mine was um, a bit of hanging out of washing um, and absolutely running the fire. Split mm. the kindling, split right. the wood, make sure mm. it's not cold. Were you involved in any personal care at that age? Um, not so much. Just like, okay. you know, yeah. chopping up some food yeah. and making sh- sh- things like that. Right. But not, not a high-level intense right. care. That came later. That came later, yeah. right. 
Yeah, it uh, can be very difficult. I assume in those days there was very little for rheumatoid arthritis, except maybe steroids that just started. A little bit of steroids, a little yeah. bit of, you know, the promise of a gold injection yeah. and yeah. Um, analgesics, and not even good ones at that, no, just no. enormous numbers of mm. glasses of disparin. Mm. And where did your mother's folks come from? They came from um, around the Dandenong Way. Right. Her, her father was a, um, had been... Um, the mayor of Dandenong, he was a stock and station agent and an auctioneer, and he was um, uh, T.P. Carroll, Thomas oh. Parnell Carroll. Oh, mm. I even know of Thomas Parnell Carroll. Yeah. I, I go well. out that way on a, on a Thursday, I'm usually out that way, in Arriwara. Well, that would have been Tuesdays. market day. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that would have been a, when, yeah. when Dandy had a stock market well, and right. T.P. would have, yeah. you know, owned yeah. a set of rails there yeah. well and truly. Yeah. So he was, he was like a bit of an institution in Dandenong. He was, he was. Yeah. And she grew up, her, she had uh, one sister, one brother, right. and they grew up in, in Dandy. Mm. And uh, what was your father like? Yeah, good man. Is he still with us? No, he's not. No, right. so, they're so you both... can say what you like. That's yeah, no, thing. no, yeah, but I, I, I don't have to edit. Um, right. I don't have to edit. And, and um, you know, as you get a bit further down the track, you reflect. Yep. We often um, we often went head-to-head with political views, you know, mm. from 15 to 22. No, we'll get to that later yeah. on. Just tell us okay, what Okay, don't, like, don't let me preempt then. No, no, um, no. We've no. we got, we got <laughs> 50 minutes. Relax. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Oh, I can tell you I'm not stressed. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um, he, but what I'm saying is that, you know, uh, as both of us realised as we went further down the track that we had a whole lot more in common than we had apart. But yeah. I suppose he he was um, um, very a uh, bit of an Atticus Finch sort of mm. character. Right. Looked a bit like Gregory Peck in the movie as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so quite socially conservative, raised as a, in in the Catholic faith. So faith, family, farm mm-hmm. were the big Fs yeah. were, were yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Um, he was um, a very literate man. He loved words. He, he read um, enormously. He didn't go um, to school past secondary school. Right. I think there was a part of him that probably would have loved and probably would have been highly suited mm. to going to you know academic studies and, and further study in that sort of world. But he, he went instead, you know, that wasn't really an option with the circumstances and he went instead to farming. Um, but he was always had a keen interest in a whole range of things, um, and uh, and very socially engaged fella. He he very much had that, um, which isn't the monopoly of of a Christian faith or any sort of faith. No, but he had no. that sense of uh, service, community engagement, Jesus, a bit of mission. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, where did you go to primary school? I went to primary school just across from where we were living at that time in, mm. in Berwick. Mm. So I went to the local Catholic primary school, right. St Michael's Berwick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a, a small little um, school at the time. It's, a, you know, it's part of a mega complex now. Small little school at the time, literally across a dirt road. I'd go home for lunch. Right, you go home for lunch? Yeah, I'd go home for lunch. Oh, I'd commute. That, that's brilliant. That right. was fantastic. That is fantastic. I actually, I think when I was small, my first school before my father pulled me out was... St. Brendan's, but that was five kilometres away. I had to walk there. Yeah, that's a long that's, that's lunch. The, that's the way it used to be in those days. That was 10 years before you were born, you know. So St. Michael's. Now, so did the church 
as your father was a practicing Catholic, did church play an important part in your life in your early years? Yeah, church was was um, it was important. It, mm. it was like um, it was sort of a, a bit of a given. It wasn't um, like we weren't a family of happy clappers, right? Um, but um, well, no Roman Catholics are happy clappers. We don't breed the Bible. It's, we'll leave that to the priests. That's don't we? right. Well, <laughs> it's, it's like the old saying, you know, that the started off Roman Catholic but just kept Roman. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so still, um, I suppose. So for, did you go to church every for, Sunday? For us, yes, yeah. we went to church on Sunday. Mm. Um, we had grace right. with meal, um, so you would acknowledge. So you'd all eat at the table. We that? would eat at the table, and we'd and there'd be, um, you know, uh, a grace said to acknowledge the meal, um, and we would um, not always, but not infrequently, like often enough, um, have uh, a round of the rosary to yes, finish the a day. A round of the rosary. Mm. Well, that is that is very intensive. I mean, I don't remember doing a round of the rosary when I was a kid. Yeah, well, yeah. but yeah. We, we were Christmas Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, so I suppose you know, compared to uh, the uber hardcore, we weren't. Mm. Compared to Christmas Catholics, we were probably uber hardcore. Cool, right. But from our our view, it was um, it was pretty it was pretty low key. You'd go to mass mm-hmm. on a Sunday. You'd have grace. Yeah. You'd occasionally say the rosary. And during Lent, you'd give up something that you didn't like. And there was a project compassion box. That's and you'd right. Everybody's the little yeah. box. You'd put your money yeah. in. Yeah. Did you ever have any arguments with your mother about uh, not eating your food? And she'd say, think of the kids in Africa. Oh, look, you know, they, that would come up occasionally. Yeah. You're lucky that you've got what you've got sort of exactly. stuff, but not yeah. too dramatically. Not we, too we, dramatic, we, yeah. were, we were pretty... You weren't as rude as I was. I told her to send the food to the Africans if, that's, <laughs> if they were right. hungry. You, you were portion controlling <laughs> and sending the carrots off. Yeah, you weren't that rude. You seemed like no. a nice kid. I was a nice enough kid. The other thing is I was the youngest of five. The so, youngest, right. you know, right. when, when it came to food, you mm. were pretty grateful to get whatever got on your plate <laughs> yeah. and you made sure it got in your mouth right yeah. oh you did you didn't have to so did you go to sunday school no because we went to mass you sunday to school mass. was not a catholic sort of thing no. catholic thing you went to mass, mass and then when mass was finished like woohoo mm. you're out the door mm. didn't get little coloring books and all no that you didn't get coloring books or, no, or songs no. about jesus loves me sort of stuff well, yep. so how long did you stay at saint michael's for um, well, I repeated grade four four uh, times. Excuse me, excuse no. me. Excuse so, me. <laughs> I stayed at St Michael's from from prep to yeah. the end of grade six. Grade six. So whatever that is, six years. Mm. I did my secondary school, oh, my primary schooling. Small there. classes. You said it was a small school. Yeah, small school. Like probably mm. only um, you know twenty five. You right. know, one class. Yep. So one grade three, one grade four. Yep. Um, not not this multiple. You know, no. grade yeah. four with a a, mm. a letter mm. and multiple classes. So just one class, one teacher. I yeah. you know. And you'd have one teacher for the year. Mm. Um, not a lot of specialities. Mm. There was, in fact, none. Mm. Um, and um, it uh, was just a small thing, you know, a bit of footy in the, in the winter um, and uh, cricket in the summer so, for the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's understandable. Um, and that was yeah. sort of, that yeah. was school. Well, you very small classes. I was, uh, I'm doing the pre-dying packing phase. When you get to my age, I just start packing things away. So that people don't have to throw them in the tip. You, you throw your own oh, stuff in the tip. I think you and I found and I found a grade two report when I was at St Brendan's, and it was interesting that the class size and I can't remember this was forty six. Wow! So in the fifties, late fifties. That's a bus. That's not a classroom. Forty to fifty was normal class size. Wow. So you've gone down to twenty five. It's uh, ten years later. Yeah, and that's extraordinary. And who taught you? Did uh, 
Did you have lay teachers or nuns? Or there were a couple of nuns, presentation nuns. Right. There was like uh, it was it was sort of like uh, they were there as a tip of the hat or a tip of the veil, you could say, to yep. the old days when yep. there were plenty of them because mm-hmm. this was the days when the pond was drying up. Yep. So there was a couple of them there, almost as a as a mm-hmm. nod to the old school mm-hmm. and a little bit of quality control. You know, yep. Yep. <laughs> they would wander around. Um, mainly, it was uh, lay teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, they were you know they ranged from. Um, uh, really dedicated uh, through to incredibly wish you were anywhere else but there and mm. from, you know, um, passionate through to inept. Mm. Um, Sounds like a yeah. society, doesn't it? Sounds like society, yeah. yeah. But it was a, but it was quite extraordinary. Like, there, it was still, like, I think of some of those things and they're not world-shattering in themselves, but they're just a very different time. Like, you know, um, feather, you know, like getting hit with feather dusters sort oh, of yeah, thing yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And and, a, and one of the teachers who would love to have the after the after lunch smoke. Oh yeah. And she'd, you know, just lean at the window and, and finish off a Craven A. Yeah, it's not and unusual. Not unusual. No, yeah, but no. it's sort of pretty unusual now. Well, you're lucky you've progressed. We used to get the strap ten years early and you're getting a feather duster. Oh society's mm. falling apart. Oh, no discipline. Soft. 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 <laughs> we haven't got to secondary school yet, Jim. No, 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 no. <laughs> Did did you excel at anything at primary school? Was there anything you particularly liked? Yeah, I was good with words. Words, Yeah, I I wrote stories and did Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Made little plays with my mates. You made plays Uh, with your mates? Isn't that a bit sissy? Oh, yeah, for the sixties, you know. Yeah, but like I was also reasonably handy with at cricket, so you oh, could right. get away with you know right. exploring your sissy side if you could still hit a few boundaries. Right. Um, right. So yeah, you know, a renaissance oh. without knowing the word. Yeah. Um, what else did I do? I used to enjoy. They used to have um, one thing they had was uh, table races. Table so, races. Yeah. So the classroom. <laughs> Every, you know, foot, there would be a row of nails, like where the, you know, in, in the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So just yeah, connecting the beams. The floor. They <laughs> weren't hanging. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't okay. like, you know, we get up on the cross. <laughs> we didn't have a time. Oh, you know, we after, 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 after all we heard about the Roman Catholic priests exactly, and brothers last exactly. week, a few days ago, you know. Mm. No, the nails say? were a gentler species. So the nails were on the floor to yeah. pin the boards to the thing, and they were in routine things of a foot apart. And, you know, it would be about... There was about 15 of them, and mm. they would line up about five kids mm. and have a table race. Mm-hmm. Nine nines, six sevens, <laughs> six sixes, and you would have to answer. And right. if you were answered correctly yeah. and first, you could take a step. Right. And so you would, you know, draw away from your peers, uh-huh. and there would be, like, races that were neck and neck, like, you know, the... The educational equivalent of sort of you know crab races in a country pub. Mm. Yeah, mum, that's very impressive. Mm. That's very that's very forward thinking for them. Mm. So you leave grade six and where do you go? Well, that was a rude shock. I went from commuting the school and going home to have lunch with my mum every day mm. to a summer of you know uh, haha school's over to mm. the um, to going to boarding school. In boarding school. Boarding school in Country Vic. Had your Siblings gone to boarding school? No, one one had just mm. for the last couple of years. Mm. Why do you think uh, they made the decision to send you to boarding school? I think it was largely to get um, one off the one off uh, the hands of your mum. Yep, yeah. You mm. know, just to make the load a bit lighter. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so that was, and that was literally a very rude shock. And where did you go? I went to, a, again, a Catholic school called St Vincent's College in Bendigo, or yeah. Junatown, if you know Bendigo at all. It's, mm. ten, it's six k's out just by the uh, mm. old trotting track. Mm. What, you're 11 or 12 then, were you? Mm. Mm, so you're right. Well, can you remember your first day when you got I there? remember my first day with crystal clarity. Tell us about it. Okay, so drove up and there was uh, myself and my mum and my dad and... Um, and he, um, the, it was hot, and there was this building, which was a two-storey red brick building based around a quadrangle, like in a U. And um, we were met there by a frocked, which I found disturbing, priest who welcomed everyone with a, yeah, a, a not particularly credible smile. And then we wandered around and my mum and dad saw my bed and I put my bag on my bed. Which how, was how, how many beds in the room? 60, do- 60 in a dormitory. 60. And you're, Six paying, zero. For the, you're paying for the privilege? Six zero. Hmm. Yeah. If I ever do, if uh, as an aside, if I ever get busted and do get sentenced for cr- prison time, hmm. I would like some lawyer to argue that I should get a, sen- a bit of remission because of, cause of this. Yeah. Hmm. So three rows of 20 mm. of those old saggy sort of shearer beds. Mm. Um, anyway, um, the, um, the, then they drove off and there was this long driveway. It, was, it would have gone – it went for an eternity in my vision. It would have gone for at least though, a, a kilometre. And I watched them down the driveway. I watched them turn right on the McIver Highway and head back to Melbourne via Heathcote. And I watched that car, the old Holden, disappear. Mm. And it disappeared at the last line of trees – and there was just like crow, hot, no mum and dad, mm. no one, didn't know anybody at this school. Mm. Went for a walk around this big, their, their, as they called it, extensive playing grounds, as it was like largely sort of um, rocky, poorly um, kaikuyed patches of gravel, future pain, yeah. and um, found a baseball. Mm-hmm. which I thought was really exciting. Mm-hmm. So I picked that up and walked back in and uh, was bouncing that as I walked through the quadrangle. Ooh. You can see where it's going. Yep. There's a bunch of older boys yeah. <laughs> and they're sitting on a bench at the quadrangle yeah. and one of them goes, hey, kid, just look at your baseball. And I threw it over to him and he caught it and then he goes, F off. And I looked at him and I went, Oh, you've just taken my baseball. And I effed off. Yeah. And that was day one. Yeah. Yeah. And did it get, get worse or better? No, nah, it got it plateaued. It plateaued, <laughs> right. Okay. So how many years were you there? Three for? years. Three years. Yeah. So um, were they difficult years mm. or, or they toughened you up or they broke you down? In their, um, in the in the booklet it said, uh, boarding school helps develop a spirit of manly independence. <laughs> <laughs> You weren't masturbating at night. No. <laughs> that's that's mainly independence. No. Don't verbal me there, Jack. No, I'm, um, I'm, that's no, what I, 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 um, I, uh, it, it did a couple of things. It didn't toughen me up to be mean. It mm. toughened me up to have low expectations and, right. to, and to be self-reliant. You weren't writing plays there, were you? I weren't writing plays. No. No. no, no. Keeping my head down and getting through, through it. Through it. And so why did, after three years, your parents change their mind? No. It was like there was like, oh, 
you know, sometimes, who knows, even in the Catholic faith, there might be a God because uh-huh. after three years, the school effectively went into receivership. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, economics kicks in. Often follow the, follow the white man with the, with yeah. the money and you'll yeah. find the answer. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so the school effectively went into receivership um, mm. and decided to no longer have a boarding right. and, and have an expanded day students. So back, back to uh, Berwick? Back to, back to Berwick till things were worked out and then um, years, as it was then, four, five and six, you know, whatever that is, 10, mm. 11, 12, mm. um, boarding school still. But, still? Yeah, but easy boarding school. Where'd you go now? St Bede's Mentone. Oh, that is easy, St Bede's. I no, was offered... Nice I, oval. The, as soon as you walked there and you looked at the, at the turf, you must have said, I'm in heaven. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I was still interested in cricket yeah. and it was a turf wicket yeah, and yeah, there, yeah. Was this, there was the I, bay. I go, I go past St Bede's about twice a week and you look at that oval and then there's Beach Road and then there's the ocean. It's easy. I, 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 I actually did think that I was. I just landed the ticket because... Mm. Um, there were, they didn't hit you. They yeah. hit you at Bendigo mm-hmm. routinely, right. um, and they never hit you at Mentone. There was a fan, fantastic grounds. There was a sparkling bay across the road that you could go down and swim in, mm-hmm. and there was the Edgewater pub, mm-hmm. which oh, yes. was reasonably sort of lax in those mm-hmm. days on mm-hmm. verifying your age. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so there was a lot to like. So obviously your school school results improved. They did actually. <laughs> <laughs> So what happened at the end of year 12? Um, at the end of year 12, um, I ummed and ahed about what I was going to do. Mm. And I really enjoyed – I was really – I loved English Lit. That was mm. my favourite subject at mm. school. Right. Yes, and mm. how did you go – so it was your favourite subject. Yeah, so, so – what, you were writing plays again, were you? No, but I was reading them and enjoying oh, that's them. even worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, poetry and stuff like that. Heavens. Yeah. Um, so um, I uh, – I, saw, I was looking through that. There was that green VTAC Uni Admissions oh, book. Oh yes, yes, yeah? yes. So I'm yes, looking through that, yeah, yeah. and there's this course, and it was it sucked me in. I tell you, <laughs> what, the the long, the long and short of it is that you got to read the fine print. It said <laughs> language and literature, right. and I thought, oh yeah, where, I, I like where, where, where? as it was then, Rusden. Oh, yeah, we got sucked in. All right, yeah, I don't. <laughs> anyway, so. Signed up, and you know, I thought, yeah, the first couple of years were actually pretty good, mm. like you know, because it was all it was. Ba- I yeah. just did a whole lot of literature subjects with yeah. a little uh, a here and there, a bit of politics or something, mm. and then it got. And I, the fine print was at the thing that the bottom of the spiel about it, which all sounded great. It said, um, "Graduates of this course can apply for registration as a teacher in Victoria." Mm. But what it didn't say is, and for the last two years of this course, you'll do trainee teaching and you'll do all these sort of pop psychology teaching units and you'll do matrixes of how kids learn and blah. Mm. So what years one and two were fine. They were like, you know, enjoying that sort of student life and the things that go with it and, and reading lots of books. Is this when you started um, kind of going off the rails as far as your father was concerned? No, when well, I, was, I was off the rails before that. Before that, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, no, because I always had a pretty sort of um, a bit of attitude and a bit of analysis, mm. not too much of, a, of each, but mm. enough. So and, what were the debating points at home? Um, basically... Uh, uh, it was he was from the um, you know from a conservative right, not not a nasty right, which is unlike the right of today. today yeah. yeah, wasn't a nasty right, mm-hmm. but it was a it was a a bit moralistic and certainly socially conservative right mm-hmm. analysis. Um, what well, was he a Santa Maria follower? Yeah, yeah, like when yeah. when when the split came, one of yeah. the brothers went Labor and put a big sign up. This is a Labor farm, and yeah. he. <laughs> 
And your dad put up, what is the DLP? No, he, did, he didn't put up a DLP, but he, he would hand out how to vote. For the DLP. Which was a brave thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did, they, did they speak before they both died? Oh yeah, they did. They did. They were they were well, bigger. Good. They were bigger. You know, they were bigger, bigger than, than the politics. They're bigger than the politics. Because so. that schism was terrible. It was a terrible for schism. families. It was for families. Yeah, and it was it was profoundly, mm. um, profoundly unhelpful for Australia's body, body politic. I no, reckon. That's really right. was. Yeah, I still remember. Mm. So what was his name? The bloke who got appointed by the Finske? No, no, no. He was the uh, he was the the the, uh, the boot maker or the furniture polisher. Uh, when Bjelke Peterson put him into a vacancy, a DLP... Oh, it doesn't matter. An ALP. I've gone off the rails. Yeah, no, it was Vince Gere, 75. When, was yeah. when he When he was... A, there was a Senate vacancy and Bjelke Peterson put him in. <laughs> was it? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Because yeah, I think somebody, it was yeah, the Gare affair. Yeah. So... So anyway, it was those sort of things. It was yeah. that left sort of stuff. So, I'd, yeah. I'd be, you know, um, yeah. pro everything like yeah. Sandinistas and right. all that sort of stuff, and right. he'd be no. no. We also had um, fundamental debating points about um, whether or not, um, you know, um, people were a product of system or a product of human nature. Mm-hmm. He was a human nature yeah. through and through. Mm-hmm. You know, if we found paradise, we'd, we'd stuff it up by morning tea. Right, original uh, sin. Original man. sin. Yeah. He was an original sin man. Yeah. Um, and I was a no, people respond to the atmosphere, the context of this and that. And, and obviously you, you're experiencing boarding schools. <laughs> <laughs> so we had lots of disagreements. But, uh, but look, we there was more and more in common, which was those things of also like engagement. You know, right. like he would do things like he would do hospital visits. Mm-hmm. He would go and do... Uh, some prison visits, he would do like uh, Osnham House, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of rosters, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And so some of that stuff I went along with or mm-hmm. we, we had parallel paths. Nice. He really, he understood. Mm-hmm. He was, he always, one one point where we had strong disagreement and at the same time, oddly enough, strong synchronicity mm-hmm. was um, um, over environment. He, he would always leave a farm because mm-hmm. we, we bought and sold a number of farms. Mm-hmm. He would always leave it better. Better. He would plant, you know, as he turned them, shelter belts. Mm. He would he would plant. He he would always drop in a dam that was non-functional. Might have only been small, but it would be done in a way to encourage uh, water birds. Or to, yeah. he he had an eye for for that sort of thinking and been quite influenced by that American um, rotate the soil plant legume crop and plough it in, yep. don't flog the land. He was mm. very much into you, you've got to give something back to the land because oh, yeah. it gives something back to you. Yeah. Like mm. compost, we composted, mm. all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. We recycled. Yeah, which is unusual. So did you ever become a teacher? Yeah, I did, actually. I did a few years. What, I, I, what, year, what year was that? Uh, it probably was um, about 80, 85 and 85. 6. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, this, it's 4.30. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Uh, the Empress Dale Bridge is pushing all the buttons and doing all the right things to keep us on air, and we're eternally grateful for that. Uh, our guest is Mr Dave, not David Sweeney. And uh, we're about to launch into his real adult life now. <laughs> so how long did you last in teaching? Two years. Two years after you did a five-year course? Four-year course. Four years. Just, that's that's miserable. miserable. That's took, miserable. Yeah. How come you only lasted two years? Poor rate of return. It actually did take me five years to do the course because I did just, you know, wander around a bit. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, well, because it, um, there was a lot of other things to do. What do you mean? 
the opportunity cost. I'm a big one on opportunity cost. I was at the time. What, what opportunity Yeah, cost? like if you do one thing, you can't do another. Yeah. So if you're working five days a week as a teacher, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can't do. Yeah, but, but I enjoyed but, 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 the teaching. But, 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 but you just started teaching. Yeah, you, and you, I enjoyed it. You want to get a mortgage? What's going on? Yeah. Well, what's these other opportunities you're looking at? Oh, well, you know, I was into, I was into lefty politics and anti-nuclear politics and all that sort of stuff. Lefty too. politics. Lefty you're actually, politics. Look, you're joining groups and things. Not so much joining groups, but, um, you know, I suppose more fellow traveller and a bunch of stuff. Huh? And and not so much joining political groups, but uh, environmental organisations. What, in the place. 80s? Mm. Are you mad? Mm. Absolutely. Uh, in Still the are. 80s? Oh, I don't know. Obviously, you're mad now. You wouldn't be on the program if you weren't. <laughs> you wouldn't have invited you. Yeah, well, I had to. <laughs> That's you a know, prerequisite. It took me 20 years to become an overnight success and get an invite to this. So yeah, you had exactly. to start well, being mad we, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But this is the 80s. I mean, most sensible people would have got a job and, you know, worked hard for five years to become a teacher and the money would have come in and even in those days you could have actually afforded a mortgage. Yeah, you bought know. a house in Fitzroy. You did. No, but no, you <laughs> what, that's what a smart person would have done. Well done yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right, for 115 grand or something yeah, you know, exactly. and sell it for a million or two. So what led you onto this path? Well, well, first of all, the teaching stuff. Let me just but say... But how could teaching lead you to radical activism? No, it didn't. I, I said, I said the, the, the radical... Oh, I don't know if it's greatly radical activism, is it, to just want to have a living planet? Well, that's a bit radical. Yeah, it is, because yeah. it, it, it interferes with profits. Okay. That is sorry. bloody radical. Yeah, sorry. I'm just forgetting myself here for a real... But... Um, I just think I'm a pretty uh, reasonable middle-of-the-road, you know, radical. Um, because yeah, let's go back to the 80s. Look, so, most people in the 80s wouldn't have diverged. So how much time did you devote to this after you left teaching? Well, I got involved in, like, there was a, there was a Franklin blockade. Yes. I was pretty involved, well, I was involved in the early part of the Franklin blockade. Well, you weren't in one of those little boats, were you? No, I didn't make it to a little boat. Made it to a small little road and got uh, arrested very early. Right. And sent my mum a I'll be home for Christmas card on, on HMS Risden prison, prison letterhand. <laughs> <laughs> and just it had what, a just, HMS prison just Risden. What, just what a woman with severe rheumatoid arthritis needs who I wants know. the family around her at Christmas I Day. Then I yeah. made it. Yeah, I did. And I made it back for Christmas. Which oh, was that's me. good. That that's was good. good. Did, yeah, you, so did they just look at you, the family, and shake their heads? They were glad that I was back for Christmas. Oh, right. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like, also, I was I was always interested in in the nuclear issue. Well, Why? you know, well because the eighties it, it's an existential threat, and we had Ronald Reagan, we had Margaret Thatcher, we had you know yeah. minutes to midnight, we had the whole sort of box and dice. Yeah. And um, but why would it affect you? Well, because I mean, most other people just shrug. Yeah, but you we know, shrug well, our shoulders and just keep walking. Yeah, well, I, I why did you stop? Why did I not shrug my shoulders and keep walking and go to a real estate agent in Fitzroy? Yeah. I suppose because uh, you know when you when you're looking and when the penny drops that these things are real and that they are it's an existential threat if they're used and it's an everyday th- um, threat with the vast amount of capital and technical skill and goodwill that they're mm. sucking up and destroying every day yeah, even if they're not used. But why did the penny drop? Well, I suppose it's I most, sp- it didn't drop for most people. Well, I suppose it's a it's a combination of those things. I suppose part of it is that is that background of of like a, a background that there is more than just you and your immediate aspirations and desires mm. Mm. you know be that a, a catholic faith or any other thing that's bigger than one um another was just like th- that sort of thing i didn't like at school one thing that i've got uh, i really it pushes my buttons 
and sometimes against my better judgment or wiser counsel, I will I'll burr up. I don't like bullies. Mm. I've had I be, bullies. I better leave. I've had bullies, and I don't <laughs> like bullies, and I don't like global bullies, and mm. I don't like people who say, for my sense of importance, I'm prepared to take down the planet mm. and its future, mm. so they can go. You think people think like that? Yeah, I think really? that I think I think people who talk like the laziness, the laziness of of like, for example, Trump's tweets. Mm-hmm. Trump before he was president, when he was uh, um, when he was a candidate, mm. that that National Security Council briefing, they brief. It's a standard practice. They brief both the Republican and mm. Democrat nominee, mm. and they give them a. Mm. And in camera, this is the situation that mm. one of you will inherit in the next couple of months. Well, it was leaked from that that three times in 45 minutes, Trump mm. asked the question, why don't we just nuke him? Mm. Mm. So I think, yeah, that's a person who doesn't, mm. is not mm. fit for that role. Yeah, look, look Dave, I'm, I'm feeling a bit sick. Mm. Uh, we don't use the T word in the studio. Sorry. Uh, I always refer to the man as President Donald Groper. Okay. Okay. Can I... Uh, President Rump? Do- no, is no, Rump no. good enough? No, no. Pres- well, you can call him Trump. But- oh, God. Rump, said, that'll just put you, you off can, your you can, do, you can call him, but I, I call him President Donald Groper. You, don't, you can't really give the man the honour of the office. You just can't. You mm. can't. That's Donald Groper. Is to, I've had people complain. You wouldn't believe it. People listen to 3CR and they ring me up and complain because they call him President Donald Groper. And I said, well, sue me. <laughs> it's true. Now, getting back, so what, what activities did you get involved in? So I, I, the one that happened for me there, the, the connection there was yeah. like, like um, uh, that I saw that Australia is, well, both home to US bases. So I've always had a strong view against mm, them. Mm. And a big supplier and a big player in the uranium game. That's huge, isn't it? Mm. And so, like, I suppose for me it was um, it was um, the um, to break that connection, to highlight it and to break it, and particularly to um, for me at that time it was 83, 84, a lot of activity around um, the Olympic Dam mine yep. in South Australia. Yep. So did you actually go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long were you there for? I was there for two or three weeks. Two or three weeks, that's mm. interesting. Look, you know, we've actually got a listener Dave, <laughs> they've rung in and they've told us that we're both wrong. He said Vince Gare's replacement was Senator Albert Field, the bootmaker from Queensland. Oh, Remember Albert Field? Yeah. Little skinny, yeah, skinny DLP type, you know, he was beautiful, Albert. Yes. I remember him personally. I actually met him once, but that's another story. <laughs> that's Albert a, Field, the bootmaker. That's a good bit of clarification. So there was a Vince Gare. So Vince yeah, well, yeah, was, yeah, he, you're but the right. Gare affair yeah, was, was that Albert was put, put, in. put in his place. Mm. That's right, yeah. Okay. Which is well, thanks for yeah, yeah. that, listener. Well, that's a useful bit to clear up. Yeah, we actually got one listener, which there is good. Go. Now, Dale's not asleep. I'd make that too. Uh, Dale lives in her own world. Fair play. She knows when to kind of phase her hearing out and went to phase in and if i get rambunctious i think that's the word she'll come in and set pull us straight. apart no she'll <laughs> set us she sets us apart she's done it before so i'm really pleased that i'm speaking to you you know why no because we get we got all these foreigners coming to this studio and i have trouble pronouncing their names <laughs> me being a foreigner <laughs> But you come in, Dave Sweeney. You can do that. I can do that. <laughs> you can do that. Remember, I'm remember, not challenging you yeah, too you're much. You're not challenging you at all. <laughs> That's so, good. No. That's good. I'm so, glad so that it makes your life a bit easier. You didn't pick up any 
kind of permanent relationships during this period? You know, you're not a dad or anything like that. Oh, I'm a dad. Oh, how yeah, many yeah. kids you got? Yeah, yeah, I've got one kid, one, one beautiful kid. young fella called Mungo. How Mungo? Mm. Not from not Mungo from Broadmeadows who rings us. No, talk back with attitude. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, greetings, Mungo from Broadmeadows. Now, I'm interested in tracking Mungos throughout Melbourne. But really? We've, yeah, we've got a Mungo who's a beautiful young boy, 11 years old and in Preston. Why'd you call him Mungo? Because it's a, um, a few reasons. We wanted a name. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a Gaelic name. It means generous friend. Right. Which we thought was a good thing to have and a good thing to be. It is. Yeah. Um, his mum is Irish, mm-hmm. and so the Gaelic was a nod to that. Mm-hmm. Um, was also a nod to Lake Mungo. And yep. the old stories in this old land, mm-hmm. and also um, you get your lunch ba- box back mm-hmm. when Mungo's written on the front. Really? Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> mm, you do. You do. There's not a whole lot of competition. Yeah, no yeah. Johns or Alberts or Tims or Florence. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think I think Mungo will ring us tomorrow, and we'll, if he li- hadn't listened to the program, we'll tell him he's there. Another go. Mungo out there. He'll be very pleased. So how did you earn a living during this period in the 80s and 90s? Um, well, I taught for a couple of years. Yeah, and, you know that, but yeah. you gave that up to be a full-time and, activist. Yeah, and I worked for a little bit with uh, uh, Friends of the Earth. Mm-hmm. and that I wouldn't pay much, would Wouldn't it? pay much, no. no. And uh, But, you know, it, you didn't need a lot to survive in those days. What you, do you mean? Well, you didn't. You know, you live in a share house. Mm. You're not paying too much money. Mm. There's not a whole lot of lock-in contracts, this, that, this, that, this, that. You do a bit of market shopping. Yep. You yep. scrounge a bit. You, That's right. You know. So I did, um, I did a little bit of what I suppose would be now putting stuff on eBay. I would keep an eye open for what I thought was good, hard rubbish and sell right. it at Camberwell Market. Yep, yep. I would, um, I would uh, do a bit of work with Friends of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And I, I had... Um, a few jobs like casual labouring and casual gardening. Mm, and I'd mm. had one or two gardens that I'd mow right. once a week. Yep, yep. So once a week, they pay you once a week to mow once their Once or garden. twice, once, you know, once, once, or, once a week, twice, mm. uh, uh, once every two weeks. And, you know, very mm. so a, a lot of that was a very limited um, relationship mm. with the ATO. Mm-hmm. And, um, very limited, I yeah. see. Cash work. Yeah, cash yeah. work and, mm. and, you know. You're right, you um, could survive. You could survive. It's you could cheap. survive. I still remember petrol being at 12.5 cents. You know, yep. chop wedges at eight. Yep, down at Carlton. I got petrol at 12.5 cents on the way to Darwin. I thought, whippy, whippy. This is the 1971, I think. There you go. That's another story. So you could have bought that house in Carlton and then put a big fuel tank in the back and exactly. filled it for the fuel. And, there and nobody go. would have cared. That, <laughs> nobody would have cared. They would have come and, you know, knock on the door and say, you've got a spare tin of fuel, Jay. You know, like you knock on the door for... Milk. Can you imagine how many people knock on neighbours' doors these days for milk and sugar? And Probably not so much. Not at all, no. Mm. You'd have to get through the security fence first. So I did that sort of stuff. So how many years did you do that sort of stuff? Oh, probably um, about uh, three or four years. And yeah, what happened after that? Went overseas for a couple of years. You went overseas. Bit of travel, bit of work. Mm-hmm. Overseas. Overseas. How could you afford that? Well, because you just... You, you, well, you... Save fifteen hundred bucks. Yep. You scrape and save it. You stash it away, mm-hmm. and you do it. You get your airline ticket, and yeah. off you go. So where did you go. go? I went to, um, well, I predominantly like mainly Western Europe, a little mm-hmm. bit of Eastern Europe, right. um, which was very interesting. So walls still up. Um, so a little bit of a look around um, Czechoslovakia, so it still was Poland. A mm-hmm. uh, bit of time in the DDR. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, mostly uh, Western Europe, the Netherlands and Ireland. 
and oh. spent a fair bit of time in Ireland. What did, you th- what, did you think, what did you think of the DDR when you were there? Oh, DDR, you know, it's a great pity that when the war went down, it went down with the rapidity it did because there were some things there that um, should have been retained. It was like baby and bath water, but there was a hell of a lot of things that should have gone. Mm. Mm. So what type of things should have been retained? Well, the things like, I suppose, um, a sense of the the welfare net, the opportunity stuff, um, mm. the, the women's rights stuff, the support in health education, you know, that sort of stuff, right. um, Im- important. Mm-hmm. Um, but out the door and, and without uh, is um, the sort of viewing of people as labour units to be deployed mm. as opposed to individuals to be valued. Yep. Um, and above all, the, the state control and not even the super onerous, um, you know, here is the forces of repression, mm. but more insidious and poisonous for human view that I saw was the vast apparatus of information gathering and and that sense of surveillance of being spied on of not being able to trust conversations mm. and now we just do it on the iphone and we pay and for it and it's all done and we pay for it to be yeah. managed same thing <laughs> yeah i know but it's it it was it was, it was po- different it yeah was, it was poisonous because yeah. it was people yeah, yeah um you know as opposed to this vast electronic right. trawl for yeah. a, you know for either a, a spurious security reason or a, mm. a fatuous economic gain mm. Mm. um but yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty poisonous. But you know, then a fair bit of time in Ireland, um, and um, and because uh, there's a you know there's a family connection there. I've got an Irish partner, um, and we've been together for a long time. Kathleen, she's a fine Hello. and generous and forgiving woman. Oh, she must be listening. Forgiving, I don't want to. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Dave, Nothing bad. We, we don't want to go into that, all right? This is not that type of show. It's not that show. It's there not are, confessional there, radio. No, there, there are, <laughs> I mean, you may be Catholic and you may be wanting to go back to confession, all right? That's right. I don't want to go down that far. Grey-bearded uh, man we, 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 in his, in his yeah, room. Exactly. <laughs> We're here to find out what made you a radical, basically. So... Okay, so How not, like, not liking, like having a little bit of smarts, mm. being aware of mm. existential threats, mm. not liking bullies, yeah. and having a sense, growing up with a sense that if you see something that needs to be done, then step up and do it. Don't whinge about it. Mm. Even if you can't do much, do a little bit. Why didn't you join Australia's main tribe, the Gunner tribe? Gonna do it. Yep. Gonna get round to it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, isn't that most... Most people have got the same feelings, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah. That, that somebody else should do about it. Somebody should do something about that tribe or the Gunner tribe. That's yeah. a, they're the two main tribes. Well, in this ma- maybe it's a combination of of um, maybe it's a it's a combination of uh, giving yourself a bit too much airs and graces about what you can influence mm-hmm. and thinking you can. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's also um, a sense of um, um, you know that sense that uh, that at the end of the day, the one that you are accountable for is you. Well, your 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 actions. Did you do? Did you do anything? Did you yeah. even lift a hand? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, that's right. It's you. Mm. That was the whole principle of Nuremberg trials, wasn't it? Mm. Doesn't yes. matter that that you had the order from mm. a legitimate authority. Mm. Mm. What it's did you. you do? What did you do? Mm. Did you follow the orders? Mm. Yeah. So, how long have you been with your partner? Oh, um, Many years, touching twenty five, twenty six, seven. So, what did you meet on this first trip to Ireland? Or? No, we met oh. before over here. Oh, right. But okay. we hooked up properly over mm. there. Mm. Um, mm. 
let me just get that yeah um and and the late 80s mm. Mm. you're not much of a provider are you oh, oh harsh man yeah, you know me 50 minutes I mean, you come back <laughs> <laughs> you're rummaging through rubbish stuff you go to the Campbell <laughs> markets i mean you came back yeah. How have you been living the last 15, 20 years? Pretty well. Yeah, actually. what have you been doing? Well, actually, I just um, I, I got a, a nice affirmation and a piece of paper. Yes. Um, to, just the tail end of last year, Joe, yep. to, to yep. mark 20 years yep. working with ACF, the Australian Conservation Foundation. 20 years? Two zero. What have you two been doing there decades. for 20 years? And you've been paid for it. That's amazing. Paid for it? Look, I, I take it all back. I just thought you were still scrounging. There you go. No, yeah, no, no. I couldn't no. afford the entry price at Camberwell Market these days. <laughs> Had to iron my shirt and knuckle down. That's right. I have worked with ACF. I, I joined, uh, uh, I started working with ACF um, in uh, the early days of the Howard government. Right. Because they were mm. cranking up uranium mining and they mm. wanted to crack it open with um, uh, Jabaluka Mining Kakadu. Mm-hmm. So I started, I got involved formally, like officially bum on seat at, at, at that time. And um, um, yeah, and. Now it's 20 years later. So for 20 years I've worked on nuclear-free campaign there. So that's involved lots of work around uranium mining, lots of work with Aboriginal communities, trade unions, others. It's involved a lot of work around plans for national radioactive waste dumps in the South Australian outback and at Muckety in the Northern Territory and mm. different schemes pushed by Bob Hawke and others about international radioactive waste dumps now mm. are planned to bring a third of the world's high-level waste into South Australia. Mm. It's also involved campaigns around... Um, a new nuclear reactor in Sydney, um, also a lot of stuff around weapons and, and defence posture. So it's a little bit like um, people say, well, you know, you've done that for 20 years, and they say it in this sort of a little bit dismissive voice of, well, you know, are you still just doing that? And I say, well, <laughs> it's still there to be done. Yeah. And it's also a little bit like, for the way I look at it, Joe, it's sort of a little bit like, say, having worked for 20 years with the MTC or yeah. a theatre company, yeah. because yeah. every year there's new productions. Right. You know, the essential the themes of yeah. betrayal and, yeah. you know, duplicity and yeah. threat and all these things remain and resistance. All those mm. themes remain, but, like, mm. you know, it's a new – it's a Western Australian goldfields. It's radioactive waste in South Australia. It's – things move. Mm. And um, Where's the play? The play now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the no, ca- no, no. Where's your play? This is it. This 20 is 20 years. Where's the play? Where have, you, have you written it I down? I haven't written the play, no. Why not? Because I've been, I suppose, you know, acting in bit parts. In the play. Bit parts in, in the play no, of no, life. You be, this is, yeah. I mean, this is the whole purpose of the, the, this program. I mean, is it? There's all these old people like you, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to... We're going to drop off the twig and we leave nothing behind. Mm-hmm. So I flush the seniors' card, catch the tram home, and before I nod myself off to sleep against so the window, down, I write, write, it write it down. Write it down. Yeah. Write it down. Yeah. Because when you die, nobody else is going to write it down. Oh, well, there'll be a podcast and you and me will be out there in space, you know, along with Gilligan's yeah, Island. that's not enough. It's not enough? No, you've got to write it down. <laughs> you're you're got, old school. You've it's got, got to be the written word. It's got to... Well, you can put it on the net. I don't care, but it's, you've got to write it down. Okay. Yeah. Done enough for a play. Oh, well. Every every human being's got a play in them. History's written by... And you've been trying since you were 10. History... (laughs) (laughs) History's written by those who took the minutes, eh? Exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, here at 3CR, we look at the minutes, and you think, I was at that meeting. 
That didn't happen. That didn't happen. You know, I don't remember that. No, no. I mean, serious. I mean, deadly serious. I think a lot of old activists they get they get so busy they just forget to put it down. Mm. You, need, you need to leave a, you need to leave a, leave a record because your own struggle's not over. A lot of people think it's all over. Oh no, it's no, just it's, beginning, it's, isn't it? It's hot. It's mm. hot. Mm. So what, what's yeah. the hot what's the hot issues with uranium at the minute? Well, with mining, it's it's a very interesting period because we're watching the end of mining in Kakadu. And we're now working with traditional owners and that to ensure that Rio Tinto cleans up properly that significant mess at Ranger. And we want to cap that then. And, and the, the, the sort of key frontline state at the moment is WA, where mm-hmm. there's been you know two terms, eight years of a, the Barnett Coalition government, Conservative, which has been pushing uranium mining and now is trying to, desperately trying to sign off on one before mm-hmm. the election next month. Um, so that's quite a, a tense timeline struggle at the moment. Um, but look, the good news is over over the time that I've worked in this area, I've seen it go from you know Australia pr- providing twenty percent of the world's uranium to now ten percent. Like we are dig- is that because other people are digging? Out yeah, more? no, we're digging less. We're digging. We're less. actively digging, digging and less. selling less. Right, and right. it's a small. It's it's a, it's a. It's a flatlining sector mm-hmm. that continues to enjoy far too much political access and political uh, clout. Mm-hmm. The other area here, which is a, the, a very significant one in Australia now, is that we've all, it's always been seen as uranium as a commodity. We rip it, we ship it, end of story. But now what's happening is a lot of talk about waste. Both the, the, And South Australia is the sharp end of that mm. discussion. Joe, there's a, there's a process in train now looking at a site in the Flinders Ranges to establish as a national... In the Flinders Ranges. In the Ranges. Flinders Ranges. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful, it's iconic, it's mm. Hans Heysen, it's gorgeous, yeah. it's all of that. I was there two years ago. Yeah. It's wonderful. And your Martina people, the hill people, yeah. uh, they've, they've spoken really strongly about not having that on their country. We're working clo- quite closely you, with Do you think they're going to hold this referendum in South Australia regarding this issue? About Well, see, that's about international waste, which, yeah. is, uh, which is happening. It's, so, so two so, issues running yeah, parallel. Yeah, so you've right. got a, one out of Canberra about mm. looking for a site for national waste mm. and one out of largely being driven out of Adelaide desperation for a new economic saviour, a silver bullet, mm. for the demise of manufacturing. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the best that some can come up with is the worst that exists. Like, mm. let's have a high-level radioactive waste dump somewhere in the state. We've helped knock the wind out of the sails of that last year, and I think Jay Weatherall, the South Australian Premier, has lost a bit of bark. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot more people that are asking more questions and a bit mm. more critical. They're not mm. as blinded by the dollar signs, which mm. are, were mm. very actively pushed. Mm. Um, but there's work to go. Look, you know, the long and short of it is that this stuff is a problem and it's a forever problem. So there will always be a chancer trying to find a quick solution to a mm. long problem. So yeah. it's it's like, you know, democracy. It, um, pr- protection against radioactive waste requires eternal vigilance. Eternal vigilance. So if I was 18 and I... Um sidled up to you mm. and I said, um, you've been around a while, old bloke. Mm. Um, what advice would you give me if I want to go on this path of activism? Mm. I'd say, well, start off with, you know, go gently on the old bloke thing, young fella. Right. Um, <laughs> that would probably be my first response. And then, then I'd say, well, fair play to you. Good on you. And I'd say, look, you know, it's um, don't expect quick success. Mm. Um, don't take on it, it. You didn't create the problem. Don't take on the responsibility for solving it. Take on the responsibility for doing a bit that you can. Mm-hmm. And my other two bobs worth of, of advice would be to say that don't get caught up in 
don't get caught up in the whole um, machinery of uh, civil society and protest and this and that. Keep a chunk of yourself for yourself and for your others because mm. one of the things that I've found is that, you know, if you're going to – it's no point building and working for a sustainable and a more equitable planet and place – if you haven't got a bit of joy, a bit of humour, a bit of openness, a bit of empathy and compassion, a bit of those things mm. braided through your life. Mm. If you haven't got things that live and breathe that you love, mm. then it reduces your effectiveness, it reduces your, yourself as a person. Mm. So, mm. so keep a bit back mm. from the struggle mm. because that too mm. fuels the struggle and makes the struggle meaningful. Mm. Yeah, so what you're saying basically in a nutshell is be a star, not a meteorite. Um, maybe because a, yeah, a, a, ac- a lot of activists have been yeah, right. So yeah. They go in there, they rush in, yeah. and before you know it, they've burnt out. Yeah. Think of a hundred people. You can think of a hundred people today that you have known who've no longer involved. Absolutely, stars just twinkle forever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Star, not a comet. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what you're basically saying to people. It's, yeah, it's it pace is. yourself. It's, it's a pace long, yourself. It's a long, lifelong thing. It's not just twelve months or six months. It's, mm. You're going to win. I, I say to a lot of people is. Take on something that's winnable. You need some victories mm. as an activist. If you mm. don't have victories, you burn out very quickly. Mm. And a lot of people want to change the world tomorrow. It's not mm. going to change. And and in that sense, too, of victories, mm. like like um, don't have your victories. Um, don't mark your victories by external things. Like mm. you know, we got a front page. Mark mm. your victories by the little things that you pick, mm. because it's it's a it's a win. I remember an old fellow years ago. I, I was on the fringes of an Aboriginal-only meeting about talking about Kakadu and mining and ranger and if Jabaluka went ahead. And people, and one young fellow said, "Well, what if we do all this stuff and we say no to potential money and we do all this work and we do and we and we lose? They do it anyway. What happens then?" And one old man said, "Look," he sort of laughed and he said, "You've already won." No matter what they do with that mine, you've already won. You're Aboriginal people. You're coming together. You're talking about your country. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was a really profound thing of you choosing your own ways to measure success. Yes. Great. Well, Dave Sweeney, thank you for coming into the uh, studio. The hour's over. Sped past. It's yeah, been really enjoyable past. having sped a yarn with you. Yeah, there's been no ads, no music, no TV, no community announcements. Dale's behaved herself. What else do you want? Thank you very much, Empress Dale Bridge. It was uh, thank you for uh, keeping us uh, on air for the last hour, and uh, thank you very much, Mister David Sweeney. <laughs> oh, he gets it in. Thank you very much. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with. Fingers crossed, everybody knows the war is over, everybody knows the good guys lost, everybody knows the fight was fixed, the poor stay poor, the rich get rich, that's how it goes, everybody knows.